you. Thank you. When I think about tomorrow's meal, for me, it all begins with my beautiful mother. Uh, in this image, I am one with that amazing hairdo. And this is my beautiful mother, Pauline, who is 28. Mum was the person in my life who gave me my great passion for food. Through her daily uh, practice of shopping down at the fresh food markets to get the, the best quality produce, uh, preparing the food, cooking the food, and sharing the food with her family and her friends. Mum taught my two brothers and I several very, very important messages. That food makes people happy, and that food connects people. Six out of seven nights a week, Mum would offer us the most delicious Cantonese-style food, and on the seventh night, she would very excitedly announce to Dad and I, my two brothers, we are having Western food tonight, and she would offer us her killer roast chicken. <laughs> it's no surprise that as an adult, I have become a restaurateur and passionate foodie. And I'm so grateful to my beautiful mum who is here today. Thank you, Mama. I finished high school in the late 80s. In the early 90s, I studied graphic art design and I worked in advertising for several years. Uh, I then left that industry and became a short order cook in cafes. And at the same time, I undertook a diploma in homeopathy, which I was terribly interested in. In the mid-90s, I started working with Neil Perry. I had, I had an amazing six-year six year mentorship with Neil at his Rockpool and Wokpool restaurants, and this was actually the very first time that I worked in a very high-quality, fantastic professional cooking establishment. Neil, thank you so much. Amazing. In 1998, I worked with the amazing Bill Granger, and I headed up his two cafes at the time, Bill's Darlinghurst and Bill's in Surrey Hills. In the year 2000, we opened Billy Kwong Surrey Hills. I had a very simple business goal and message, and that was to offer my family and friends and anyone who wanted to come fresh, simple Cantonese fare. In 2003, we shifted the menu from conventional to sustainably grown produce, and I also launched my first television cooking series called Cooking with Heart and Soul, and that was with the ABC. 2004 to 2006, I travelled extensively throughout China and I made a life-changing journey back to my ancestral village. In 2006, we also had an incredibly sad year because my father died of prostate cancer. During those nine months we had to farewell Dad, whom I was very close to, I felt or I found that the only way I could soothe my, my breaking heart, was to open my heart to others, was to reach out to the community. And this was an act that I had for years observed my mother doing. And you know what? It really worked. And in that year, I became uh, associated with the fair, trade, uh, the fair trade movement. Between 2007 and 2010, uh, my major focus remained on sustainability. We, re uh, we, we made a Billy Kwong carbon neutral. I became one of the ambassadors for the Australian Marine Conservation Society. Um, I became one of the ambassadors for the Stephanie Alexander Kitchen Garden Foundation. We removed bottled water from the menu. 
I also wrote a book uh, called It Tastes Better, which uh, documented the lives and the passions and the stories behind 40 of my favourite uh, Australian su uh, sustainable uh, food and wine producers within Australia. Uh, I also began our Billy Kwong market stall down at Everly Farmers Market. Oh. Renault Redzepi, Sydney Opera House, 2010, October. I'll never forget that moment. Rene gave the keynote address at the Sydney International Food Festival, and for me, it was one of the greatest moments in my life. When Rene started speaking about and sharing his message and philosophy, which highlighted the importance of using native uh, produce in our cooking in order to express a certain uh, time and place and history and memory and scent and flavour and culture, overall sense of a country. I was sitting in this house and I was absolutely on the edge of my seat. My heart was palpitating. I could not believe what I was hearing. It made so much sense to me in that moment and I was sitting there thinking, KK, why aren't you doing this? Why haven't you started this before? Now, of course, as you may know, this, this philosophy was not new to this, was not new to this country. Well, when, he, when René introduced it that evening, his philosophy was not new to this country because some 20 years earlier, as you will know, uh, other restaurateurs were offering bush tucker also on their menu. Uh, the amazing Raymond and Janice Kirsch, for example, of Edna's Table. The Frenchman Jean-Paul Bruneteau in his two restaurants, uh, his first restaurant, Round Trees, for example, in, in Hornsby, and then his restaurant called Ryeberries in Burke Street, Surrey Hills. But I guess, I guess for me, in 2010, it just seemed to be like the right moment in my creative life and in my business life. When Rene finished that speech, I ran up to the stage. Ben Shuri was also one of the speakers that evening. I knew Ben had already started using native ingredients and I was determined to find out where to source, source these beautiful products uh, before the end of the night. Ben, of course, led me to Mike and Gail uh, of Outback Pride, I raced home and I looked up the Outback Pride website and I was incredibly moved by what I read. Mike and Gail Quarmby had seven children. Very sadly, one of their 20-year-old sons, Daniel, died in a tragic car accident. And in an attempt to take a positive shift in their journey, in their life, Mike and Gail, in 2001, set up the Outback Pride Project uh, in order to support young Indigenous Australians in honour of their beautiful Daniel's life. Ladies and gentlemen, could you please warmly welcome the amazing Gail Quarmby to the stage. Thank Please you. tell us about this amazing portrait. Uh, look, look up here, Carly. Uh, there's Mikey Manns. He's the one with the beard. Um, he, he is a, an incredible plant whisperer and the centre of my universe. This picture is taken at Reedy Creek uh, in one of the 24 hot houses that we have there. And Reedy Creek is in the southeast of South Australia, a lovely four hours drive from Adelaide. Now, at Reedy Creek over the years, we've been there for absolute ages. We've propagated 
50 million, oh my God, the maths, 50 million trees to go into the environment. And currently, we are picking, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> and currently, we're hand-picking organically grown produce of 40 tonne of native herbs. Um, and I think that makes us carbon neutral somewhere. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I digress. Over there was me as a child, running in the hot red dirt of Central Australia with Aboriginal children, chasing lizards and eating Australian native foods. I was so blessed in this, but over there, in the shade of that ghost gum was my dad. And his name was Rex Batterby, and next to him was Albert Namajira and the other men of the Western Aranda tribe that were all part of this, this beginnings of the Aboriginal art industry. Well, I was blessed, there's no doubt. But when we lost Daniel, it brought us to our knees and our Business at Reedy Creek was incredibly busy, producing all these trees. And we needed to go on a journey, so it was, you know, a, a, a no-brainer to head to where I was born and reconnect with my childhood friends. And that was very much a pivotal point because I realised that conditions for Aboriginal people out in the bush worse today than in the early 1950s when I was there. And how could that be? Anyway, something had to be done. So the Outback Pride project, we started it, and just a few, few little tiny facts. Um, we've driven a million kilometres, I'll say it really quick. We've propagated 500,000 plants and taken them back to 36 different communities, and we are blessed with all of the friends that we have from that project. Amazing. Thank you, Carly. Completely amazing. And of course, when I read uh, uh, Mike and Gail Quamby, when I read up about Mike and Gail Quamby that evening, of course, I rang them the next day and I had this amazing conversation with Mike, uh, which went for almost an hour because we had this instant connection on the phone. And I thought, I am desperate to meet these people. So they made a journey to Sydney. It's quite a long journey, isn't it? Thank Just you for bit. doing that. Yeah. They made a journey to my restaurant the following week and brought with them this whole truckload of beautiful native samples. We were hungry. We were hungry. And she, and she fed us. And for me, it was like <laughs> Christmas. It was like Christmas had come early. I, need to, I can't describe to you how exciting it was uh, uh, to come across all of this new produce. It was like, for me, discovering a whole new culinary alphabet. If I was a painter, it would have been like discovering a whole new colour wheel. It was a very, very exciting, invigorating, motivating time at Billy Kwong for my chefs and I. And of course, Amazing. finding these new fa found friends. Incredible. What Gail and I are going to do now is a little bit of show and tell, because I'd really like to talk you through the creative process of what happens when Mike and Gail send me their beautiful produce and then how that translates into a Billy Kwong dish. This is the Warragul Greens, your local vegetable grown in this land here. And it needs all of the honour that it deserves. It's very high in nutrients. The first uh, Europeans that came here, this saved them from scurvy. Now, an interesting little fact about this, Kylie. Did you know that Warragul Greens have only a six-week lifespan? 
And this is a, a freshly grown leaf, but when the, these lancet-shaped leaves do this wonderful little roll in the edges like that and look pointier and thinner, that means that they're drawing the nutrients from the leaf into the seed to drop on the ground for the next generation. It's kind of nice, isn't it? That, completely that amazing, completely yeah. amazing. Every time I come across a new native plant, I first of all go through a great period of experimentation and observation, my chefs and I. Um, we look at the colour, we look at the shape, um, I research it on the internet, the botanicals, the scientifics, uh, the history, the tradition. I uh, research how chefs or cooks before me have, uh, for in this case, um, cooked or, or managed or prepared warrigal greens. Uh, we steamed it, we stir-fried it, we, we blanched it, we, we, we served it raw. For me, warrigal greens very much reminded me of English spinach or Malaysian spinach. I immediately thought back to uh, my Chinese repertoire of, of, of dishes, and I thought about the steamed vegetable dumplings, which I know you've all enjoyed at Yum Cha. Uh, they're often filled with, uh, what are they filled with? Garlic chives and water chestnuts and bamboo shoots and, and black fungus and ginger and some type of blanched spinach. Is it English spinach? Is it Malaysian spinach? So I thought, ah, this is the idea I'm going to uh, incorporate with the Warrigal Greens. So we serve the steamed vegetable dumplings at Billy Kwong and we fill the, the, the dumplings with, instead of Malaysian spinach, we fill the, uh, the dumplings with Australian spinach and fresh black fungus and fresh silver beet. Why do I do that? A, it's because it's absolutely delicious. It works. It needs to be in context for me. It works. And secondly, I am an Australian. I am in Australia. I want to use Australian produce. I want to offer my customers the flavour of Australia. Saltbush. Yay! Now, Mikey Mans, any of you know that handsome man that was up there? You will know <laughs> the story of, of Saltbush here. Uh, this is Atriplex namularia, and it, and, and it lives a bloody long time. 150 years this plant lives, and it does some of the most wonderful things for the environment. And Mike used to grow millions of these for sheep, but anyway, long story short, um, figured it was the, the, a wonderful vegetable, sent it to the CSIRO, this special selection that he spent a long time doing. It is 21% protein, folks. It is high in calcium, magnesium, and zinc, and a bloody good food. It is. Yeah. It is a bloody good food. It is, in fact, my favourite native plant. Saltbush is, in fact, my favourite native plant. I love that glaucous grey. To me, it just immediately takes me into the Australian bush. Uh, again, I drew on my uh, Chinese repertoire of dishes, and I immediately thought to the wonderful, um, amazing dishes of Chinese street food, uh, the pork buns, the steamed lamb buns, the, the fried dumplings, the shallot pancakes that we find in Beijing and Chengdu and the back streets of Shanghai. And what we do at Billy Kwong is, um, when this image comes up, which is the crispy saltbush cakes, that's me, there you go. Uh, what Yay! we actually do at Billy Kwong is we uh, substitute the shallots or the scallions uh, simply with uh, beautiful saltbush, because to me it really works. It has a natural creaminess, a natural saltiness, and we have been offering this dish uh, for, for five to six years. And I guess it's a really great example, this dish of Australian Chinese street food. 
Gail, carcala. Yes, this. Look, it's just delicious. Um, some people mistake this. This is Dysphia crassifolia, sorry. Um, mistake it for uh, Carbobotrys rossi, which the little leaves are a triangle shape, but they're sort of distantly related. But this one has the most juicy, crisp, sweet taste. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Bower spinach. Bower spinach is related to warrigal greens, but this is sort of particularly from the Coorong and down south in that area. Um, a smaller leaf, and certainly I find more floral. This one, now we, this one's Tanami Manuru. It's related to European parsley, but um, sorry, Purslane. But, Many of the plants that have been in Australia have adapted over Minelia. Min min you know what I mean. Anyway. <laughs> and this one, the, the Aboriginal women north of Alice Springs in the Tanami Desert would pick this and have it as a, a, a green vegetable, but collect all the thousands of little seeds out of it. They look like poppy seeds. And that ground between two flat stones is the highest source of omega-3 in the desert. That's brilliant. Amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Amazing. Next. Next. This one is ice plant and is also a, a plant of the world. But this one has adapted to our Australian conditions here. And I just adore those little bubbles of joy, the little flowers, the little pinky things. It's all right, I'll give you back to Kylie. <laughs> You're my bubble of joy. You are my bubble of joy. When Mike and Gail presented me with these, with the last four native plants, I immediately thought of all of the beautiful uh, stir-fried Asian greens that mum, mum fed, fed my family when we were growing up, uh, whether it was the stir-fried pak choy or the bok choy or the stir-fried wongabuk or water spinach. And all I do is simply substitute those Asian greens with these four native greens. And again, it's simply delicious, it really works, and of course, of the wonderful story it tells. Uh, as the time went on, I became even more interested in indigenous meats. And since 2011, we have been offering this dish at Billy Kwong, which is the red braised caramelised Flinders Island wallaby tail with black bean and chilli. It was such an exciting and revolutionary time for us. I was now able to offer my diners, my customers, an authentic and meaningful version of Australian Chinese food. It was so significant and an incredibly amazing time in one's creative life and in one's career. And Gail, I just want to thank you so much for all yeah. of your inspiration. <laughs> As time went on, I had another realisation. There were so many dimensions and layers to this new direction. One of my relatives has traced our family tree back to the 1100s. My surname Kwong originated in 960 AD in the first year of the Song Dynasty. This timeline uh, between 1103 to 1929 records the first 26 generations of my family. 
the gorgeous gentleman in this image is my great-grandfather, Kwong Su Duck, who brought our family name to Australia in the gold rush days. Kwong Su Duck was born and bred in Toishan Province in our family ancestral village. Uh, Toishan Province is three hours south drive of Guangzhou, Guangdong. And I have made an amazing journey back there. Uh, our family village is called Wong Nai Han, which translates as yellow mud ditch, which is pretty cute. <laughs> and that refers to the fertile yellow soil of the land. I actually prefer the auspicious name, which is the Good Luck and Peace Village. <laughs> As a young man, Kwong Su Duck became restless and wanted to find a better quality of life. So he found his way to Australia, the days of the gold rush. He had four gold mining leases, he had a general store, he was a practitioner of Chinese traditional medicine, and throughout the years he travelled between mainland China and Australia. He acquired four Chinese wives, four concubines, and together they produced 24 children. And this is where I come from. <laughs> I am the first daughter of the fifth son of the first son of the third wife of Kwong Su Duck. which makes me 29th generation Kwong and three generations Australian. I'm very, very proud and honoured to be a part of what is possibly the largest Chinese family tree in Australia's immigration history. This newfound discovery was not only delicious, it also allowed me to offer food that was a direct expression of who I was and where I had come from. When I return to the village, upon arrival, I always perform this traditional Chinese ritual, which is called the Essence of Qing Ming. And this beautiful altar is actually inside great-grandfather's very dilapidated home, uh, which still exists. And this uh, ritual is a celebration of the spirit of love and connection between a family. It also uh, extends to the remembrance of past ancestors. And you may know, but the metaphysical and the spiritual realm has always, always been very important to me. Ah. Beautiful, amazing. My beautiful indigenous clapping sticks, which my dear friend and colleague Clarence Slocky gave to me when we opened our new Billy Kwong. Clarence Slocky is a renowned environmental environmental educator, and he's also the team leader of the Aboriginal cultural tours at Barangaroo. Clarence taught me that uh, musical instruments, cooking tools, and hunting and gathering uh, tools and weaponry uh, are usually made from this mulga wood uh, because it's a hardwood. In the restaurant, I use these clapping sticks instead of a bell when I'm trying to attract my waiter's attention to the pass. Now, by, being, by offering Australian Chinese food and by using these clapping sticks every day in the way that we do, this is actually a very powerful way my staff and I can acknowledge and pay our respects to our original Australians. Incredibly, incredibly important. For 
on top of all of this, what's really important from a very simple cook's perspective is I truly believe that it actually really works. There is a natural simpatico, in my opinion, between the flavour and, and texture profiles of bush foods um, when, when synced together with the flavour profiles, the flavour and texture profiles of Chinese food. So it all just seems to work amazingly. <sighs> That was all incredibly exciting. And it was an amazing period, as you can hear. Yet, what followed was a very black period. In between 2011 and 2012, my beautiful life partner, Nell, whom I've been with for 10 years, and I experienced the greatest tragedy of our life to date. Very, very sadly, we lost our beautiful little baby boy, Lucky Camino Kwong, who was very, very sadly stillborn. It was, I cannot describe the internal sense of restlessness on an emotional, mental, and spiritual level. It was as if someone had packed away the sun, and everywhere I looked, in my dreams, in my sleep, when I was awake internally, spiritually, mentally, everywhere I looked, there was complete darkness and blackness. I just wanted to kind of disappear under a rock and never, ever come out. And for those of you who know me, you know I'm not usually like that. I couldn't, however. I had my beautiful mum and my brothers who loved me and my family, my friends, of course, my beautiful partner, Nell, who I had to support and wanted to support. I had my business, Billy Kwong, a restaurant. I was responsible for all of my amazing staff and my customers who needed us and, and our community. And would you believe, at the same time, I had an upcoming book tour. What a period. As the months went on, and I was learning to put one foot in front of the other again, through, 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 because, because it was absolutely essential that I functioned on a day-to-day -day level. The people that I wanted to reach out to um, for support, daily support, apart from my family and my friends, were, of course, people who I felt absolutely understood the depth of my loss. And, of course, of course, I immediately thought of my beautiful friend, Gail Quamby. The gorgeous Gail Quamby. We're doing this for our little sons. <laughs> Every night for months, I would be on the phone to Gail, or I'd be emailing Gail, and she was an, an incredible uh, listening ear, an incredible counsel, because she had had a direct life experience like mine. Gail also has an innate sense of wisdom and incredible compassion, and really helped me get myself back on the path I needed to be on. Our, our little boys, yep. they, they keep us going. They, they, they keep drive us, going. us They would They, they, drive would, they us. would actually be really good friends. They, they would be, be great, and they would be so proud of us. Would they? Yeah. yeah. I'm doing this for Lucky. Yeah. Thank you, Gail. Okay. <laughs>
Mike and Gail have always inspired and motivated me, as I mentioned before, when I first read the motivation behind the Outback Pride project. I have been inspired by the way they have taken their dark grief energy and they've turned it around and channeled it into this amazing, powerful, positive light that has such a great, beautiful effect on everyone. I thought if Mike and Gail can get through this, I definitely can get through this too. So I started to pick myself up and I started to regain my energy. Months went on and what started to happen, even though internally I was uh, grieving and mourning as only one would, externally I started to uh, experience the most amazing creative surge, one that I had never, ever experienced before. It was a kind of very intensely active period. Um, it kind of reached fever pitch, pitch. It was quite manic, this energy, but highly productive, really great stuff. Lots of new dish ideas for the restaurant, lots of creative ideas for the vision of the business, ways of managing the staff and so on. It was a highly, highly productive period. Four years later, now when I look back on that mania, I actually realise precisely what it was and where it was coming from. This was actually my grief energy finding a, a, an expression through my creativity. It was brilliant. And if there's any advice I could give anyone who is going through a traumatic life experience, you must absolutely give your grief a form of expression because this is the only way to healing and it is very, very powerful and actually invigorating. At the end of 2012, I was invited to participate in the inaugural Margaret River Gourmet Scape. This was the second time I met up with Rene, and I also met the amazing Brazilian chef, Alex Atala. Over that weekend, both of them spoke extensively about the importance and significance of edible insects uh, in regards to uh, sustainability, the, the, the sustainable, nutritional, historical, cultural and deliciousness aspect. Once again, I was absolutely inspired, fascinated, reinvigorated. I returned home determined, determined to put this on the menu. I opened the door, Nell says to me, how was your weekend? And I looked at it and I went, insects. She said, you were just like this kind of crazed person you were so passionate about. I said, it makes so much sense to me. So now we serve live green tree ants on the menu at Billy Kwong. My beautiful friend Clarence Slocky and Auntie Beryl Van Oplu taught me how important these green, green tree ants are in the wild uh, as, as, as a food source and as a medicinal source. I serve them in the restaurant because they're delicious because they also begin the conversation that I feel needs to be had about our Indigenous Australians, their culture, and so on. It's very, very important for me to offer these edible insects in the restaurant. Stir-fried yabbies, which are Australian freshwater crayfish, with exosauce, native sea parsley, samphire, sea blight, uh, southern white aspen, which is grown at Reedy Creek. This is actually a really good example, I think, of the type of um, Australian Chinese food that we have been offering since the amazing light bulb moment here in the house with Rene in 2010.
My little lost boy, Lucky, is very much the driving force behind my new restaurant, just like Daniel Cornby is the driving force behind Mike and Gail's beautiful Outback Pride project. The mantra in my new restaurant is celebration, collaboration, and community. Celebration, what does that mean to me? You know what, when I wake up and I'm breathing and I'm alive, that is a great cause for celebration. When we wake up and we're alive, that is so much to celebrate. I have so much to live for in this life and I'm gonna live it, I'm going for gold now, I'm doing that in honour of my little boy's life. And what we love to do at Billy Kwong is celebrate and collaborate with all of our local amazing community. Collaboration, you know I love collaborating. We love to collaborate at Billy Kwong. I truly believe that every person has something special to offer. And one of our great responsibilities in this lifetime is to draw upon our, our raw talents and passions. We all have those. Bring them forward and to offer them to others in our daily practice, in whatever we choose to do. Not just, just to benefit ourselves, but to be of benefit to others. We love to collaborate at Billy Kwong. Celebration, community. Community is very important to me. It is not enough for me to sit at home and think of nice thoughts of what I'd like to do for so-and-so up the road. I need to get up out of my kitchen chair and go out and directly engage every day with my community. I need to take action, because I think that's very powerful. Uh, our beautiful local community, Reverend Graham Long of the Wayside Chapel. Mr. B-Man, he's so cute. He looks like a bee. Doug Purdy, my amazing business partner, David King, Indira Naidu, local activist and the creator of that gorgeous, magical rooftop garden on top of the Wayside Chapel, local community angel, Rob Caslick of St. Canice's Parish. In this uh, family portrait here, you can see great-grandfather sitting very proudly in the middle of 17 of his 24 children and three of his four wives. Wife number one lived most of her time in China. Wife number two was apparently very good at cooking and she became a devout Christian in her later life. Third wife, which is my great-grandmother, uh, was excellent at sewing. She loved Chinese opera singing and apparently recited Buddhist mantras in her later life. Fourth wife, like the other wives, was completely uh, devoted and dedicated to nurturing um, the entire family. And would you believe the entire family lived harmoniously under the same roof? First up in Darwin, and then they moved their way down to Melbourne. Can you imagine, I've often thought, how lucky are those children to have several mummies? How amazing. When I look at this, this image, I think to myself, uh, perhaps that's where I get my own um, drive to create my own community around Billy Kwong. When I think of tomorrow's meal, for me it all began with my mother and my family and Kwong Su Duck. And tomorrow's meal, I believe, will always be found in celebration, collaboration and community. Renee, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much.